seated. I invite you to take a Bible and turn to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, if you will, for just a few moments. We read from this passage earlier in the uh, service, but I'd like to uh, look at a little bit more of it. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Do you listen to talk radio? Um, I do a little bit, but it gets on my nerves rather quickly. I have a friend who feels the same way I do, and he said one day, of all things, he was in his car, and he was had on the radio, and he was listening to Dr. Laura Schlesinger, and uh, she was on, and had a woman that called in to uh, ask Dr. Laura something about a problem she was having. This, this woman was engaged. She was having a problem with her fiancé and said that uh, she told Dr. Laura that she and her fiancé were both Christians, but the caller's concern was that her fiancé attended a church which did not teach the historical, physical resurrection of Christ, and she said she knew this was a problem. And Laura said, tell me something. I'm a nice Jewish girl, and I don't understand all these ins and outs. What difference does the resurrection make? But what shocked my friend was that the woman who had called in could not answer her question. Do you believe the resurrection makes a difference? Does it matter? I had a skeptic ask me some time ago, after listening to him for quite a while, say why he did not believe in the Bible and particularly in Christianity. He said, why do I believe in that? He asked me that. I said, because of the resurrection. Something happened on that day that, that changed everything. Um, I read in a book this week this paragraph, Apart from the resurrection of Jesus Christ, there is no Savior, no salvation, no forgiveness of sin, no hope of resurrected eternal life. Apart from the resurrection, Jesus is just another good but dead man and therefore is of no help to us in this life or at its end. Without the resurrection, then the few billion people who worship Jesus as God are gullible and silly and they are trusting in a dead man to give them life. So that makes the resurrection of Jesus worth our study and consideration. Some of you, I have no doubt, would really like honest answers to ultimate questions. You want to know what is true. You want to know whether this is true or whether it was just made up or written into the Bible years ago. Well, here in the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul uh, raises several what-if questions. Uh, he's writing to a, a group of new believers in a very pagan city in that day. And basically in verse 13, he says this. I'm not going to read the passage. I'm just going to make reference to some of it for the sake of time. In verse 13, he says, If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. So he's saying, let's suppose Jesus Christ was in the, in the grave still. Let's say he's in the tomb. And, he's, and Paul says to them and to us, what if the resurrection did not happen? What would life be like? And there is a very common way of thinking today that says it really doesn't matter what you believe just as long as you believe it, and especially if you are sincere in your beliefs. You ever heard that? Ever said that? Don't raise your hand, please. But that's a, It assumes that everything in the faith realm is intangible and therefore untrue. And what matters is whether you have a sincere faith. Now, these same people will say that whether Jesus really physically rose from the dead is not important. What is important is how you feel about it. Are you sincere in your faith and do you believe it? 
But that certainly was not the case with the early Christians. When you read the accounts in the, in the Gospels of the first Easter morning, the disciples of Christ had no expectation that Jesus was going to rise from the grave. He had told them, we can read it clearly, he was very cloaked in his language throughout his ministry. Toward the end, though, he became very specific in the way he described it. But they had no expectation. They were fearful for their lives. They were hidden away. And when the women came to the disciples and said, the tomb is empty, we saw this angel, he said that Jesus is risen, they still didn't believe it. But reality broke in, and something changed them, and it changed history. David Lodge is an American playwright. He's very old right now. I was reading about his life the other day, but what stood out to me was something on one of the early plays he wrote when he was a very young man. He was in a theater one day watching the performance of one of his own plays. It was November the 22nd, 1963. And there was a scene in the play where an actor was to go over to a radio and turn the radio on, scan the dial, I've dated myself then, scan it, turning the knob, and, and then pick a station that was coming in clearly and leave it there. Now, the radio sound was not dubbed in, so whatever was on the radio at that moment was, would be what the actors and the audience would hear. As he scanned the dial, he picked up a radio station that said, Today in Dallas, Texas, President John F. Kennedy was shot. He turned, the, he turned it off, but it was too late. Reality had already broken in, and it had changed everything when they heard that. That's what happened with the disciples. So here in chapter 15, beginning in verse 3, Paul quickly reviews the facts of the resurrection uh, because he knew that Christianity stands or falls with the resurrection. In verse 3, he said, Jesus died. Christ died for our sins. He was really dead. He did not just faint on the cross, no out-of-body experience, didn't just pass out. The soldiers knew it. He had a professional executioner that ran a spear up into his heart sack right there under his ribs, and, and uh, it was obvious that he was dead. Verse 4 says he was buried. He was taken down from the cross. He was wrapped according to the customs of the day in anywhere from 70 to 100 pounds of spices, burial clothes. The body was then put into a donated tomb, a massive stone was rolled in front of the entrance of the tomb. And as a child, I used to wonder, because I, I went to Sunday school, I saw the pictures, I saw the big stone, and it took me a while to realize they put that stone there not to keep him in, but to keep would-be robbers out. They weren't thinking, he's coming out, let's block off the exit. No, they were trying to stop anyone from going in to steal the body. They also, it says, to put a Roman seal on the tomb. That was like a, the yellow crime scene tape we see today, but it was far more authoritative. I mean, if you break this seal, you're violating the law of Rome, and you'll answer to Rome. Then it said on verse four, in verse 4, he was raised on the third day. He doesn't say the body was stolen. He doesn't say the women went to the wrong tomb and then by mistake found an empty one and said, oh, he's risen, look, the tomb is empty. Well, the enemies could have come at that point and said, no, here's a real tomb, here's a body, you just went to the wrong address. No, he physically rose, he came back from the dead. Verses 5 and 6 says this was testified to by his appearances. Over the next 40 days after that, first he appeared to Peter, then to the other disciples, and then more to a crowd like this size, more to 500 people at once. Eleven appearances in all, over 40 days. Now, Paul is saying in those verses, these are the basic facts of the resurrection. So what? What difference does it make? 
So in verses 12 and following, he tells us what difference this makes. He gives the implications of the resurrection, but he does it in terms of what if Jesus did not come back from the dead? What are the implications of that? What if he's still in the tomb, it says in verse 13? What if he's still dead, he says in verse 14? If he is dead, then, in verse 14, first of all, our preaching is useless. You may say, I've heard a lot of useless preaching. In fact, he means something different. He means there's no point in it. It's empty. Paul risked his life to preach the gospel. Um, he had done that in a number of towns and cities in the Roman Empire, but he says that if Jesus is still in the grave, then this is, this is a waste of time. It's useless. Every ounce of preaching would be mere words. There would be no authority. Might as well have a stand-up comedian or just someone give an after-dinner speech. Verse 14 also says, then your faith would be useless. If the preaching is useless, then the faith in the message of that preaching is also useless. It has no grounds. If you ever hear someone say, and I said it earlier, it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you sincerely believe it, that doesn't work in real life. Let's uh, say we could go down to the Macon Airport, and, and, and I say, look, do you really believe that we can fly in that airplane? Yeah, I really believe it. Are you sincere? Yes, I'm sincere. And we get close, and there's no, air, there's no engine. There's no engine, no propeller. Uh, you really think you can get in that plane and fly just because you sincerely believe it? No, faith is only as good as the object of the faith. And so Paul is saying, if Jesus is still in the, in the grave, I don't care what you believe, it's pointless. Third deduction, verse 15, he says, if Jesus is still in the grave, we, that is the apostles, the original, those that God sent to tell the message of Christ, he says, we are false witnesses, we are liars. Liars not just about ordinary things, but about the very things of God, the worst type of deception, the worst type of lies. And then in verse 17, he says, If Jesus is still dead, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Forget this nonsense of singing and, and praying about forgiveness of sins, redemption, peace with God, abundant life, salvation. If he is in the grave, none of that is reality. You're still guilty, and your forgiveness is not possible. And then in verse 18, he says, If Jesus is still in the grave, the dead in Christ are lost. Those relatives, friends of yours that have already died, we've stood up there at Rose Hill Cemetery and at Riverside Cemetery with many of you, and we've read these scriptures and said, you look forward to the day you will see them again. Christ says, I'm coming again to take you to be with me where we will be forever. Then all that is a bunch of baloney. You can just forget it because your, your relative now is nothing more than food for worms, period. You'll never see them again. And then in the end, he says, if Jesus is in the grave, we are most to be pitied of all people because we have deceived ourselves. If it's not true, then people deserve to look at followers of Christ and say, you are pathetic. I feel bad for you. You are so pitiful. You know, look at you. The cost of discipleship, the, uh, the self-discipline, the believing and stuff, and it doesn't matter. You're to be pitied. Did you read uh, this past week, I think it was either Tuesday or Wednesday, where a well-known actor, Alan McDonough, Neil McDonough, not Alan, he's been in many movies and television shows for a number of years, but he refused to do on a new TV series a scene that would have compromised his Christian beliefs. It was an illicit sexual scene on this, on this TV um, program. 
And he, he said, I'm not going to do it. He was fired on the spot. He was replaced. And you know how much he lost? You know how much his contract was? A million bucks. Oh, poor Neil. He's still in the grave. What a fool you are. You ought to be pitied. You gave up a million dollars for these Christian beliefs and convictions that you have. How pitiful it would be to have this great hope and it be founded on a dream, on an illusion. Now, you get the idea of the bad news, the what if? A Christianity without a risen Christ is worse than none. Are y'all familiar with Christopher Hutchings, you know, that outspoken atheist, and he's written several books, and uh, he's given lots of airtime, very caustic toward Christianity. I was reading of a a debate, oddly enough, he had with a Unitarian Universalist recently. And he, uh, they started off, and the Unitarian Universalist said, look, if anything, I'm a liberal Christian. I mean, that's a a stretch for a Unitarian Universalist to say that. But this woman said, uh, she was a minister in their church. She said, I don't believe in a bodily resurrection of Christ. I don't believe in this. And here the atheist, one of the most well-known now, outspoken uh, everybody buys his books and uh, atheists today. Christopher Hutchins said, if you don't believe in the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ, then you are not a Christian. The atheist knew. The atheist knew right then. But all this now in verse 20, we come to this huge transition. And he says in verse 20, but Christ has indeed been raised. So all these what-if scenarios for the previous seven or eight verses, he says... But Christ has been raised. So all these what-ifs now are done away with. And because he has been raised, it says in verse 22, we shall be made alive. And it says, for as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. What does that mean? Adam, the first man God created, and Eve, God placed him in in that garden that he had created. And they had a relationship with God that's unimaginable to us. They literally walked and talked with him there was no guilt, there was no shame between them or toward God. And then God gave him a prohibition. Apparently there were lots of different trees and fruits and so forth. And he said, you can eat from any of them except that particular one. We don't know what fruit was on it. It was called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But he said, in the day you eat of it, you will surely die. That's a pretty strong prohibition. It was emphatic. When you eat of it, you will die. No counting to three. No go sit in the corner and think about it. You will die. Well, they ate of it. You know the story. But they didn't drop dead. They lived for many, many years. They had children, grandchildren, and so forth after that. Well, they died spiritually. God created you and me with certain dimensions, certain senses. Well, they were created with a spiritual sense, some that died that day when they disobeyed God. Uh, So there's shame now between them. They run from God. There's guilt. There's strife. There's tension. There's murder within one generation. I mean, there's, there's lots of things that happen. Well, you and I start off where they ended up. We start off, the Bible says, spiritually dead. We come 